listening to the SNC podcast with Falashade Anozie. To ensure that you don't miss subsequent episodes and to listen to past episodes, you can visit us on our various social media platforms at the SNC podcast. So that's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And that name is universal across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, and iTunes. For those who'd like to get in touch with me by email, my email is shadeanosier at gmail.com. You are welcome to another episode of the SNC podcast. My name is Fala Shade Anosier. For those who are new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for checking it out. And for those who have stuck with me since episode one, I'm truly, truly thankful. Now for this episode, which is episode seven, for those who have been counting, I have with me multilingual singer-songwriter Amaha. Amaha is a breath of fresh air and her music can be described as fresh yet still effortlessly traditional and soulful. Over the course of the interview, we talk about quite a lot from her creative process, her perspective on artists doing covers, her encounter with Timberland, the present state of music sonically and so much more. I hope you enjoy my interview with her. I have on the show with me today Nigerian-born, American-bred singer-songwriter Amaha. Amaha wrote her first song at the ripe age of 13 and she has not stopped writing ever since. To hone her craft even further, between 2015 and 2016, she took courses at the Berklee School of Music. Through the Consortium MMT program, she also received mentorship from mentorship and tutelage from Dave Porter of Sam and Dave fame. Amaha's sound can be defined as soulful and sumptuous Afro-pop jazz dripping with vocalizations of lushness and sensitivity. At the 2016 ASCAP Expo, famed American producer Timberland apparently echoed the same sentiment on the ability of Amaha's voice to transfix and inspire listeners. Talk about major credibility. Amaha, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yay. Yay. I'm, to be here. I'm glad to have you. So how has your day been? My dear, you know, between the side hustle and the straight hustle is hustling we are. We have been doing straight hustling today. So it's been a good day. Okay. Very unproductive day. So it's been a good one. Okay, that's good. And um, how has 2017 been so far for you? 2017 has been awesome. I've re- released one single February 14th okay. called Space Cowboy. Okay, we'll get, to, yeah, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get to that later for sure. You know now, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that later. So you released that, okay? Um, now, just for the record, you know that I first heard about you through Bella Ninja. I don't know if you know that. Yes. Yeah, I first heard yes. about you, Bella Ninja. For people who don't know, um, Amaha was featured yes. on Bella Ninja in 2012. It was through their Red Alert music segment. It was by music writer Omnos, and I remember that the two songs were Nawa Dukia and Arigato Baby, and that was how I started. <laughs> That was how I started stalking you. <laughs> so it's been, you know, five years, five years of stalking, you know, and I'm glad that I finally got you here. So <laughs> glory be to the most high. <laughs> we thank the Lord, yes. You know, my sister, 2017 is the year for that. <laughs> so, um, uh, okay, yeah, so you said your day has been great so far. I'm glad you said that. That's cool. Now. I always start off with the show. I always ask people to tell me what their passport name is. So I know you have Amaha, but what is the name that your parents gave to you? So if you could tell us what that is. 
Okay, so are you ready for this? Yes, I am ready. My full government Nigerian name. Mm-hmm. You are ready? Yes. Okay. Amelia Megoja Shimedwa Helena Akbutu. Okay. And see, that was hella fast. <laughs> that was hella fast. So say it slower so that I, I know I heard Amelia. Okay, Amelia. Uh huh. Amelia, which mm. means industrious. Okay. Megoja, which means I forbid sorrow in rubble. Oh. Um. Yeah, in my dad's language of rubble. Okay. Then um, Ashimedwa or Ashimedwalim, which means let God complete what He has done for me, mm. in Igbo, my mom's language. Wow. And then um, Helena, which is my confirmation name because I'm Catholic, mm-hmm. and it means guiding light. And then lastly, Akbosu, which is my son name, which means the world is ours. Wow. So can you say that again slower? Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> it's Amelia Meguja. Meguja. Ashimedualim Helena Akbosu. Oh, wow. That's a de- <laughs> so you're Urubo and Ibo. Yes. That's so cool. Yay. I like Ibo. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, I always like when people are like, not not that I'm against people who are like, you know, just one 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 ethnicity, but I think yeah. just being someone like me who's like Yoruba and Ibo, my parents are one person is Yoruba, one person is Ibo. I, you know, people always try and put you in a box. Do you do you get that at yeah. times? And people feel like you have to be Urubo or you have to be Ibo. You cannot be both. Do you get that? I don't see that as much whenever you have intertribal or intercultural or interethnic, depending on whatever term you want to use. I don't see that as much when you have a major ethnic group paired with a non-major ethnic group. I think you see that more when you have like intertribal with Hausa Ibo, um, Yoruba Ibo, Yoruba Hausa. You kind of have them kind of jostling for position. Mm-hmm. I see that amongst the major groups, the non-major groups i don't see that as much somebody that's birom and marrying somebody that is uh, jukun they really don't care yeah they are both birom and jukun. yeah same thing i guess with my dad and my mom because my mom is not eastern Igbo. my mom is southwestern Igbo. Oh, okay i don't even know what the difference is i'm so embarrassed but you know <laughs> <laughs> don't feel bad okay mom is not from Oberi, right no, my okay is that that's that's, that's east that that's east okay yeah that's Okay, so at least I know something. I'm redeeming myself. <laughs> I need to go and visit, you know. There, yeah, you know, there has to be an applause, which I'm totally, like, somewhat missing somewhere here. Where is the applause for this? I don't know if you can hear my applause. Can you hear it? I can hear it. I can hear it. The I have the applause. Don't worry, it's there. Don't worry. I will do it in the post production. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, where are you based at the moment? I am actually based in Southeast Texas. Okay. Um, I'm just an hour and away from Houston, Texas. Um, an hour and a half. An hour and away. An hour and a half away from Houston, Texas. Um, in a little town called Orange, Texas. Orange, Texas. Okay. Cool. My cousin. I have a cousin in Austin. So. That's cool. Can you tell us how you got started with music? So music for me wasn't necessarily something that I thought of as an actual profession. Music was just something I did so that I would not run crazy. (laughs) It was the thing that was my free mental therapy, dealing with um, being back home and being, because I don't know if you can tell already, but I was the weird kid in school. So being the weird (laughs) kid... Music was my safe space. Music was my escape. And it was just something I did personally. And then when I moved to the States, that was how I kind of dealt with um, 
with uh, being in a totally different country and getting used to the differences between coming from Nigeria and being raised up until my teenage years and then moving to the States. So it was something I did that was kind of like free therapy, but in addition to just being therapy, it was also um, one of the places that I felt like I shined or I did well. Um, one of the things that I felt just came naturally. It wasn't something forced. It was something that just came to me. Hmm. So it was a blessing to have that. And so when I was about 17 was when I started thinking of it as a viable profession, not just something I did. And then when I was 24, 25 was when I decided I was going to make it my profession. Hmm. Oh, yeah. wow, that's cool. So it's safe to say that your original goal was not to be an artist. It was supposed to be some no. type of outlet for you. Yes. Okay. Um, my original goal was to become a doctor, actually. Oh. I was going to be mending broken hearts. I was supposed to become a cardiothoracic surgeon. Oh, look at that. Cardiothoracic <laughs> thoracic. Let me know that bagam. Cardio, cardio, what again? Cardio thoracic. Thoracic surgeon. Oh, so that that does that sound? Does that is that the heart? No, no. Yes. Okay. So basically the thorax. Was yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's in the heart. Oh. So that was what I was doing. Oh, so are you, you're not you're not doing that because obviously you're pursuing music full time, right? Um, I'm pursuing music full time. I mean, part time right now, but okay. it's. Gearing towards, you know how you turn your side hustle into your main hustle? True, That's yeah. That's what I'm doing, trying okay. to make it main hustle. But right now, I'm out. I'm working in um, logistics and supply. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? Yeah. From doctor to logistics and supply. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not, is it safe to say that your parents were kind of disappointed? <laughs> Nigerian parents being the way that they are. Oh, no, your oh, parents are totally. You know, I got blessed in this one. My mom... Yes, when I said, okay, I'm switching my major to music and theater, she was like, eh, eh, no. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> she's like, continue on with the computer engineering degree that you're getting. So I did, and then I worked in web development, and then I went back and got an MBA, and then shifted to global procurement and logistics. Wow. But um, she still has hope that I'll become a doctor, but she could see that music was the thing that I shined at. Mm -hmm. So she's always been a staunch supporter since I told her at 17 I was going for a contest all the way through to now. She's, she's been my cheerleader in the background. That's cool. Shout out to Mumsy. So I, think, I feel like it's always important for children to have supportive parents, especially when you are trying to pursue a career that you feel like society has restric restricted you or wants to prevent you from actually pursuing because it's not Absolutely. the, you know, it's not going to make you money now or whatever that is. So shout out yeah. to you, Mumsy. Um, now, what was it like when you wrote your first song because like I mentioned in the introduction you are a singer songwriter can you tell us about as you were trying to find yourself moving back moving to the states from Nigeria what was that like when you wrote your first song so most of my first songs I told you it was therapy so mm -hmm. I don't even let anybody see it except <laughs> family members because most of that stuff was just dark 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 mm -hmm. like I think if I was born and raised in the United States, I would have been one of those emo kids with like black hair yeah. and eyeliner. <laughs> eyeliner. That was my entire teenage lifestyle. Like all my music around then. The world is horrible. <laughs> the plants are dying. Like just horrible, depressing stuff. So I, I, I do not share that type of stuff. So that, like I said, was therapy. But then as I grew older, I started understanding the power of a song. Um, so when I was 13 back home, there were more gospel stuff. When I was in my teenage years, like 15, 16, 17, 
they were dark, dreary, depressing songs up until I was maybe about 19. And then I started finding myself. And so they've gotten lighter as I've gotten happier mm-hmm. as a person. Mm-hmm. So they've gotten lighter and they've gotten more, um, they've gained more depth mm-hmm. in their power. And of course, Berkeley has helped me to channel that and make the songs even more powerful. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get, we'll get to Berkeley later on the show. Now, um, I know that you talked about, you said that you started writing music because you were trying to find yourself. But yeah. before you, bef- I guess my question would be, before you even realized that you were writing songs to express yourself, at what moment did you say, I'm going to pick up a pen or a pencil on a paper to begin to write? Like, what, how, did it, how did that just come to your mind? You get what I'm trying to say? Because you could have been singing. It could have mm-hmm. been art. You know, so what for you? How did, what made you say, okay, today or whatever day that was, I'm going to pick up this pen and pencil and write? I was 13 when I wrote my first song. And honestly, it was to impress my dad. Aww. I was sitting in the back seat and... Um, I can't remember which gospel artist was popular at the time. And dad used to play that song over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I was very good at mimicry. Mm-hmm. So I would mimic the artist from the backseat. So one day he's driving the whole family to church. And then he hears me in the back and he's like, <gasps> you know, kind of situation. Oh, my God. <laughs> keep singing it type of situation. So when he did that, then all the songs I wrote after that, um, I didn't write that many. Um, there were very few, but all the songs I wrote were gospel songs. Mm. So just simple, praise be God, God is amazing, God is beautiful. Your vocabulary at 13 sometimes very is not that yes. extensive, mm-hmm. exactly. So God is nice, God is sweet, God is to be praised type of stuff was what I had started writing at first. And then um, 16 came about. At that point, since I'd been reading dictionaries and everything, the vocabulary started getting more in depth so i was using big fat words like ra- lacrimose and <laughs> subfusc and stuff like that Subfusque. just because i told you i was an emo child <laughs> and then so after that then it then became and my sister would read this and she's like this is just depressing <laughs> like you just drained my energy yeah you exactly then i started writing more Things about everyday life, things about love, things about um, success, things about getting up and starting again when everything has failed. More uplifting music. Mm, okay, that's cool. Now, where do you draw your inspiration from when you write songs? Now, not 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 when you like now. Where do you draw your inspiration from when you write songs? More often than not, the way music comes to me, I call it something. That's why I really think this has nothing to do with me. It's a gift from God. It's not mine. Because I usually get songs complete. So I would say about 80% of the time I get a complete song, meaning I get the verse, the chorus, the whatever else that goes into the song, sometimes with the music video concept for the song. So I get it all at once. I might be trying to go to sleep and then it comes to me. And then um, I write it down. But then maybe about 20% of the time, just to hone the skill, and get better about putting words together, laying the vocals down, laying the track down itself. I practice writing, and usually whenever I'm practicing how to write and make sure I bring prosody into the music, I am using activities that are happening in the world today. So, for example, Nigeria, we are going through the Fulani Hezmen situation. We have all these things happening in the world. I try and talk about those that really have an impact on me. 
when the Alu Four happened, I wrote a song about that. So I still am drawn sometimes to the negative parts of ourselves as humanity. Um, so I use those to practice. And then, of course, the songs that come to me fully come from a happier, lighter side. So they usually come as a whole. Mm. Okay. That's interesting. Now, what is your favorite part about the songwriting process? Having the final song laid out, hearing what you hear in your head live. That's, uh, that's, that's what makes you tick. That, yes, that's the best part of it. I honestly love every piece of it, but finally hearing every piece from writing the song itself, going to the studio, booking the time, getting the musicians together, it's all so much fun. I never get tired of doing it, but then hearing that final, that's the song I had in my head, and it's live, and it's, it's something that I shifted from the spiritual to the physical realm, is amazingly powerful. Hmm, that's so interesting. Now, because I, I feel like sometimes for some people, they just say, some, some, song, some, song, some people that are songwriters that are my friends, they say for them, it's more about just starting the process. That the fact that yeah. they actually have an idea because sometimes ideas don't come to you that often. Some, like, in a week, you may have like one idea, like one song you yeah. want to write. So for some yeah. people, it's, it's more of a, I get to actually start writing the song. For some people, it's more about, you know, trying to put all the different lyrics and melody, you know, and chorus together. For some people, it's the, it's the, it's the end product. So you fall, in the, you fall in the latter of the end product version, which is okay. It's fine. Now, um... <laughs> I know you touched about that initially. I mean, you talked about that a couple of minutes ago. You talked about how you um, start with the process of songwriting. Can you tell us what do you start with? Is it the melody, the lyrics, the chord progression? How do you go about that? For people who want to know how you go about writing a song, how do you start with that process? Always start with something that you actually care about. It might not necessarily be something that affects you personally, but it has to be something that you care about because people can recognize the difference between a classic and something that people can play over and over again versus something that just pops and goes away is the emotion behind what it is that you're bringing to the table. You can only craft emotion in the studio when you believe in the emotion that you're crafting. When you have maybe some kind of personal touch that you bring to whatever it is that you're recording. So start with your concept for the song. Something that you want to speak about. It can be something as mundane as I don't like the fact that chicken is about to die out on the planet because we've eaten all the chickens. Mm -hmm. So I'm upset that chickens are dying out. Just even if it's something as silly as chickens dying out and you're like, there are no more chickens for me to eat because all the other people have eaten all the chickens. Write, it, write that song down because mm -hmm. you care about it. You know, it can be something very silly, but people hearing that song will gravitate towards that song if they have the same emotion. Mm -hmm. So always start with the emotion and the concept behind what it is you want to say. Have something to say whenever you write a song. If you're just writing it because you want it to make money or because you want it to catch people's ears or you want to become popular, you might succeed at any of those things, but those things usually do not last because people recognize falsehood in a song as well. Okay. So for you, you start with the idea. Yes, start with the emotion and the idea. Okay, and then do you now move on to the melody? Yes, so I start with the emotion and the idea. Which is, sorry, which, which is the, 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 um, the emotion and the idea, that's to kind of tie to the lyrics as well, right? Yes, so okay. it's usually starting off with the lyrics. Okay. Um, I might have an idea on the melody mm -hmm. whenever I get it. Like I told you, I usually get a complete song, so I might have the entire set of lyrics. Mm -hmm. 
But then as I start, and I might have a strain of the melody, whether it's just the chorus that I have or mm-hmm. just the, the verse, verse I have yeah. or how I want the vamp to be. But then as I'm putting the melody into the song and crafting chorus line versus bridge and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. then I start realizing, okay, maybe this word doesn't necessarily work here in the lyric. Mm. So I might change up the lyrics to fit the melody mm. so that they merge or marry well together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So that's my usual Okay. Um, as a songwriter, is your strength in melody or lyrics? Hmm. That's a question I've never thought about before. I guess I've never thought about that because then, you know, you don't want to fall into hubris and say, oh, I'm so fantastic. <laughs> it's not about me. It's not about pride. It's just about, like, this is where my strength is at. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I would say my strength is more than likely in... In the melody, the way I vocalize, mm-hmm. the way I put together a melody, I would say is where my strength is. The lyrics are very good too, but like I told you, I was a bit of a nerd, geek, weird person. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they can go over people's head unless you are a nerdy person and they have not that many nerdy people. They might not get a turn of phrase or a particular word usage. Mm-hmm. So you almost have to break it down if you want to impact or reach a lot more people. So with the lyrics, I have to struggle sometimes, but the melody is usually pretty pretty darn good. Okay, so for you, that's, you would say your strong point with humility is the melody. Yes. <laughs> Talking about practice. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, you know, I told you about the whole. Um, you said you struggle with the lyrics. I read some of that Leonard Cohen. You know, who she just who just who died like not too long ago. He said he once mm-hmm. said that he okay. sometimes spends a whole day struggling to find the exact word to describe what he wants to say in the lyric. So you know, you're in good company. It's not you know. It's I, remember, I think I also read somewhere about. I can't remember if it was. I can't remember who it was that said that the artist spent like I think three years on one song or something because the yeah. person trying to yeah so you know you I think like people who are songwriters I, it's not it's not it's not an anomaly to to say that you try you struggle to find the right words or the the right lyrics to fit a song so you know exactly it's all good hey cool and then do you have any siblings I didn't even ask you that do you have any siblings yes uh, they are my besties I have um three sisters and a brother oh are you the oldest. Yeah. No, I'm the middle kid. Oh, are you serious? You don't come yeah. across you don't you don't come across like you have middle kid syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> you seriously, there is you know you know you know you know that you know that there is such a thing, right? Middle kid syndrome. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I do not have it at all. Oh. It's like you sure you're the middle kid? I'm like, Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm peacemaker usually. I'm oh. the I understand the folks up top and I get along with the folks on the bottom. So yeah. If anybody's having any kind of conflict, I'm the peacemaker type uh. of person. Okay. Yeah, and the if, comedian. Yeah, the comedian. All right. Well, I think you come across as someone who's like not you. You don't, you don't come across as a first child. No offense. You just come yeah. across as someone who's like just just cool with their own self. You know, that's that's good. Yeah. That's just I just don't get that vibe from you. Like, oh, a middle child will save me. It's not about me. <laughs> All right. Now back to my questions. Um, do you carry a tape recorder around? My phone is my tape, tape recorder. recorder. I have um, yeah. so much stuff on this phone, and it kind of drives me slightly nuts because I know mm-hmm. it's not documented anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So if my phone died or like cracked, or anything, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be crying about like oh the six hundred yeah. dollars. Yeah. Like, I'm ho- I'm I I mean I think that because of this conversation, I'm hoping that you have already you keep on backing up your phone. I hope I'm hoping you do that. 
my dear, I have gotten like five different 32 gig things. That's my sister. That's, that is, no, that is the real because I can't, you know, because when you lose all those, because um, I was, um, I interviewed BTEC, the producer, and he was saying that he, yeah. he has this habit of not recording stuff, all right, documenting what ideas that come to him. You know, yeah. and then he loses it. So you that you even have your idea, you now lose it, my sister. Please, we have to, you know. Yeah, and oh my gosh, that thing is you people do not understand. It's painful. You are a writer, <laughs> and you lose that thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you just lost. You were walking down the stream, and you just let your child fall into the water. Mm, yep. That is how it feels. Yeah. Because it's such a fleeting thing mm-hmm. that you have to catch it mm-hmm. by its tail before yeah. it goes away. Yeah. Okay, now do you have a favorite place or time of day when you write? Mm. Like I told you, I don't feel like I'm the sole proprietor of my music. So mm-hmm. I feel like my music angel likes to disturb me when I'm about to sleep. Mm. It must be on a different time zone <laughs> because I will be ready to enter that head. <laughs> it will just come from nowhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. Madam, stand up please. I have songs for you. I'm like, look, please. I'm trying to, to sleep. sleep. But that, that night time when I'm two seconds away from sleeping or first thing in the morning when I wake up mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get ready, I get a lot of good inspirations at those two times. Okay. All right. That's, um, so, but you don't have a favorite place, but your time is more e- either at night or in the morning. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I, think, I guess maybe the place would be your bed. <laughs> Since yes, happens, my bed. Yeah. It's usually where the, that it goes down in the bed. It goes down. <laughs> <laughs> we switch we switch from DM to the bed. Okay. <laughs> now, um, what instruments do you play, Amaha? I play the udu. I play a lot more percussion. Okay. So I actually have some friends that I brought with me. I play this guy over here, which is the agogo mm-hmm. or the gong. Mm-hmm. I play um the udu, which is the water pot drum that Igbo people have. But and I think uh, probably I want to say Hausa, but I know a northern tribe also uses as well. And then I have the tongue drum mm. as well. And then I also have uh, something that I'm beginning to now pick up. I realize I do not know any chromatic instrument. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to pick up a guitar and a kora as well. Oh, that's so I want cool. To just little ways of playing this yeah. instrument. Even if it's just a few notes, you can pick on them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you, before I, I'm, you know, I was going to ask you, but that kora, right, that you just, um, that you just showed... Well, wasn't that one of the instruments that was in your songs, um, Nawadugia? No, was that a lute? No, I actually don't have a kora or a lute in there. All of the stuff you hear on Nawadugia was played by me, fooling around with fruity loops and playing with cardboard boxes to make like the heart type. Can you just it. imagine? Yes, we should, we should, we, wow. <laughs> Cause I was just like, oh, see, I, I see. Can, can you, it shows you how how far technology has come. Whereby you're even thinking that you know this is like a live instrument. Well, anywho, I feel betrayed, but it's okay. Right? <laughs> the only thing that wasn't was the papam papam sound. Everything else was stack of textbooks. Literally. Yeah, it was a stack of textbooks. The back of a guitar. Uh, um, uh. One of the my water pot drum, mm-hmm. like just little percussive mm-hmm. stuff on there. Wow. They live. And you, did you produce that track yourself? Yes, I did. I went into a studio to record, but the mm-hmm. entire track was produced by me. Wow. Okay, so since you also produced, I didn't even know you, I didn't even know you produced as well. So I have been touch on that. Now, the um, can you currently describe your sound? What is your current sound? Because mm-hmm. you know, like people's my sounds can change every time. <laughs> <laughs> my sound is Afro pop jazz. 
Okay. And for people who don't know what Afropop jazz is, what is what is that exactly? So it has pop tendencies, meaning melody is king. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will probably be around current instruments or emotions that we all share. But then it's very much steeped in the way I sing or the way we vocalize and speak as Nigerians. Mm-hmm. So you hear like a lot of influence of Felakuti and most of those folks from the 70s. Now, because I like the 60s and the 70s, I also like jazz. So you hear some of those lushness in like Ella, Ella Fitzgerald's way of singing or Nina Simone, stuff of that nature. We hear some of those influences, Miriam Makeba. And then that's where the jazz element comes in. I usually am a bit more experimental. It's not your quintessential Nigerian Afro beats or Afro pop. It's influenced by those jazz experimental behavior. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now, so let's talk about your... Um I don't know if I should call it the album or a project or a mixtape. The Quiet Fusillade? Yes. Is it an album or a mixtape? It's an EP. It's an EP. Okay. Because, yes. um, like I said, when I first um, heard about you, it was through Bella Ninja. And um, Ono said that, you know, Quiet Fusillade was your album. And then when I went to your website, I saw that it had more, it had about five or six songs. So yes. for me, I thought that either that was going to be a mixtape or EP. But, you know, people decide what they want to describe their project as. So I do want to, like, jump the gun, as they say. Um, <laughs> now, um, how, what came, how, did you come, how did you come across, I mean, come, come about the name Quiet Fusillade? Remember I told you I'm a bit of a nerd. So <laughs> use it. <laughs> so it's a quiet fusillade. That is actually oh, an oxymoron. Yeah. You oh, can say fusillade or fusillade. Either okay. way, it's... it's correct to say it. can say fusillade or fusillade um putting the word quiet in front of a fusillade or a fusillade is an oxymoron because mm-hmm. a fusillade by its very nature the very first way you would describe it is a cacophony of sound mm-hmm. usually they are using it to describe whenever a whole bunch of gunshots go off at the same time or like cannons going off mm-hmm. so obviously that's loud but then you stick quiet right. in front of that so it was about the fact that I had this powerful voice and I had this powerful music that I had to put out there, but it's not yet making noise. It's not yet creating a buzz. So I called it a quiet fusillade. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, you are definitely on the nerd, yes. <laughs> nerd vibe. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, quiet fusillade, which I'm going to go mm-hmm. with your description or pronunciation. It has songs such as Amor, amore, arigato, baby, cause you smell good, feeling good, and now nawa dukia, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's start with amor, amore. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. You're doing well. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Can you talk a bit about amor, amore? So amor, like amore. Before you, before you go on, I feel like it has. Yeah. A, you can correct me. I feel like it has a very fun Latin slash french vibe that it's given up am i is it safe to say that or am i wrong you are absolutely on the money okay. and i'm glad to hear that because then that means i did my job well as a musician um <laughs> okay yeah so. so it was influenced and if you notice i said it's kind of like the salsero i normally call it latin mix or salsero mix that's because i used to work at a salsa club as a side um gig that i did at the time mm. so i heard a lot of salsa music and i learned how to dance salsa and bachata and all that good stuff so I wanted to make something that fused into that. But then I also speak French, Japanese, and German. So I wanted to have... <laughs> Why aren't you working for the UN? <laughs> so many people have asked me that question. I've been recruited by the UN and the CIA. And I'm like, I'm too... 
I'm not the person you want handling your secrets because I will cave <laughs> under pressure. Anybody bring some kind of drill near my eyeball is going down. I am telling them everything and anything. Um, because I don't know what the hell. Like seriously, I am so. See, I'm like I struggle. I know English. I did. I did try. You did try, but I did Okay, yeah. So continue. Yeah. So you used to work at a salsa. Oh, that's really that's dope. Though you used to work at a salsa club. Yeah. So yeah. yes, yes. So I used to work at a salsa club. I was like the hostess and hi, Buenos dias, blah 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 type person. So. Um, I learned how to do um, do salsa and everything from being, and I also like salsa music. Mm-hmm. So I went to make a track that had French influences, but then I didn't speak Spanish. So I actually recruited my friend that I met in France, mm-hmm. who was Moroccan, but then spoke Arabic, Spanish, and French. And then we kind of toggled back and forth on the English portion of it, mm-hmm. and then came the correct Spanish, because my Spanish was horrible. It was babblefish Spanish. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so then she helped me to correct my Spanish, and then I wrote the song completely. Uh, now, what was the inspiration behind it? Was it just like your experience working at the salsa club that you said, oh, I want to make a song that has this type of um, sound or vibe? Yes, I wanted to make something that had that kind of sound or vibe. Um, in, I actually had a previous version of that particular track. So I wrote it initially, but then with horrible Spanish. Mm. And then I wanted to do it again once I started working in the salsa club, and I wanted to make it now a true Spanish salsa um, uh, remix. So mm. that's the final remix that you hear on the EP. Oh, that's, yeah. so, and who who you produced that song? Um, yes, I had very much uh, very awesome producer and a studio engineer that worked with me. His name is Terence Clark. Was the uh, producer or co-producer? And then um, uh, 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 I'm still thinking Terence Clark. What is his name? <laughs> Chris Carter. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that, Chris. Don't be mad. Chris Carter was the one that. Uh, opened his studio to me and then also helped with the studio engineering and making sure everything came together beautifully oh nice okay so let's just give the people a sound of what um amore sounds like okay and then we'll be right back and we'll be right back Yeah, it's one of my it's one of my favorite songs from you from quite a few salad. I, I really I like that song a lot. Um, it's, it's not I, I really like it. It's, um, I just it's, <laughs> I feel like it's very it's very sensual but still very very it's just very sensual mature. I just I like I like it a lot. And you say you, you dance bachata. Bachata, yeah. One of my friends has been trying to get me to dance <laughs> bachata. I went to the salsa club. Um, was it last was it last semester or like my first year of law school? I think my second year. I went to the salsa club and um, it was it was. I tried it once and it, you know, but it's 
yeah and maybe, maybe i need to pick it up now that you've mentioned i'll be like okay you know <laughs> try now <All> right. <laughs> you, have to, you have to practice yeah. now but yeah, so some merengue merengue is the easiest yeah but we did merengue as well merengue well yeah merengue is actually not that bad you know and it was just cool to see mm-hmm. you, you know the couples do that so but but chapter is the one that she's been trying to teach me so you know now that you've mentioned it maybe i will go and develop that but um um now okay so if I, I know from amore amore now let's go to arigato baby talk Yay! about arigato baby so that was when I had just taken my first Japanese class and I wanted to practice my Japanese. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write a song that utilized some of the words I had picked up in Japanese. Arigato is thank you. And then sayonara is uh, sayonara. You're supposed to not pronounce the R completely. But sayonara is um, bye-bye. So I wanted to use those two words in the song and I kind of wrote that song initially. It just came the very first uh chorus came and then about maybe 10 minutes later the entire rest of the song came and so I put that together and then put in all the Japanese words that I knew at the time and made that particular song so it's a love song it's a very sweet love song was thank about you someone... for, for being awesome was it about was it a, was it inspired by a personal experience or was it just a random song my dear I haven't seen love like that yet so this was just <laughs> me imagining imagining the love like else when you have future bay future bay wherever you are i'm coming for you you're just coming for you you better be I'm ready um now arigato that's... baby um sorry what, what, what sorry what did you say i missed that i said he better be ready well, he, well you know we're, we're putting that into the universe so you better like you better recognize <laughs> now um arigato baby um it's very piano driven and mm-hmm. was what was the what was the rationale or the reason in picking those instruments to drive the song so that was very much where um, Terence helped me out with okay. putting together that particular song because I knew the instruments I wanted, but then he was the person that would help me like source the musicians that would the musicians for hired out be able to mm-hmm. put together my idea. Mm-hmm. So I kind of laid down the idea and the vocalizations and everything, and then they and I told them which kind of instruments I heard, what I hear the instruments doing, and then they would help me craft that idea together or pull mm-hmm. it together. Mm-hmm. So he was instrumental in helping me meet that bass and and i think it was gary going that did the bass on that and it sounded phenomenal those guys are excellent excellent musicians in memphis yeah okay now let's give the people a sound of what um arigato baby sounds like for those who haven't heard it okay awesome boom boom dum tak to tak to do boom boom dum tak to tak to do boom boom dum tak to tak to do So that is um, Arigato Baby. Now I'm going to move on to 
Okay, so this song, I feel like it cracks me up. <laughs> it cracks me up because I feel like you are just speaking my mind. <laughs> the song is Cause You Smell Good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that is the most random title, but it's so awesome. Okay, to talk about the title quickly, how, how did you come up with that, that title? Don't judge me, but no, like the fine. first thing I see in a guy... Is not actually something seen. Is the way he smells. Oh my! That's why I'm saying that you are speaking <laughs> my mind. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let me tell you. If you want to carry him, if you want to steal me, kidnap me. Get a guy who smells like. Oh my, like ah uh, uh, hey. Oh my gosh. <laughs> guy, we're soap. What's what are you your sin? Seriously, and you know, and you know, like guys that do it very well. Like it's not overpowering. Like they just yes. smell like. Yeah, I said that they smell like pure sex. That it's just so nice. Oh, anywho. See, we are. It's a Sunday. We have gone to church. Please don't take me back. No, I'm just. I'm just saying, like you know, like it's just. It's just so nice. Okay, but speak about um, cause you smell good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So, cause you smell good was literally about that. Um, I was with a dude, Mm -hmm. not because he had anything else that was fantastic about him. We were not on the same wavelength mentally. We were not on the same wavelength in any particular spare but mm-hmm. he just smelled bloody fantastic so <laughs> i kind of dated him for a while i was pretty young then so mm-hmm. my excuse is i was young and foolish oh, i did not have any sorry. other excuse besides mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but i dated a very nice smelling man for a little while then for a little while. and this is about him <laughs> okay so because you smell good has that it has that in that um, because the intro I feel like is superb and I'll get to the intro very soon but it has a, it gives off that very funky vibe um, yes. bass guitar electric guitars drums are coming through right mm-hmm. okay so and um, if you remember the, the name of the album was quite fusillade mm-hmm. part of it is I wanted to show off that I could do any of the styles mm-hmm. even though I have my particular style I wanted to show off that I could do any of the styles that were popping off in Memphis at the time Memphis is a very funky bluesy yes, yes, jazzy yeah, blues, type yeah. of town Mm-hmm. And so these are all kind of things in those lanes, but specifically tied to the way I sing and perform. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your inspiration was because of the guy you were with, because you were young <laughs> and naive. Yeah, sure. Say that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to yourself. That is um, my excuse. Yeah, that's your excuse. Of course, yeah. Let's, let's get a vibe of um, Could You Smell Good. Be right back. Okay, so that was a bit of Cause You Smell Good. <laughs> I swear to <laughs> <no>, that song. <laughs> I play that song a lot. <laughs> I'm like, Amaha is my, you know, what's that? Is my sister spirit, you know, like, seriously. <laughs> no, does the guy that you were with, does he know that you wrote that song about him? I don't think he'll ever know. 
um, his name has never been mentioned and we have kept out of touch. So okay. if he does know, I don't know if he does. And quite frankly, I don't care because that was a bad relationship in the first place. That should honestly have never have happened. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but it was a lot of fun and he inspired a song. So, yeah. yay. Now, the next song I want to talk about is Feeling Good. Now, yeah. Feeling Good, for people who don't know, um, it's a cover. And Feeling Good was written by English songwriters Anthony Newey and Leslie Briscus for the 1964 musical The Roar of the, Gre- the Grease Paint, The Smell of the Crowd. And it has been covered by artists such as Nina Simone, John Coltrane, yeah. Sammy Davis, Bobby Darin, Adam Lambert, Michael Bublé, Muse, My Brightest Diamond, and the late George Michael. Now, I actually have listened to all those different covers and i really like yours as well because <clears throat> excuse me i feel like the the not the difference i think the common theme between every cover that i've heard is that every artist made the song their own they made it yes. individual to them so what inspired you to say i'm going to pick a song from a 1964 musical and you know make it my own and what what was so so I guess with this one, I need to make a correction to what I said earlier. This was actually when I recorded when I was back home. And oh, I recorded it with Jeremiah Gyang. Oh, that's so cool. In Jeremiah Gyang Studios. Yeah. I, I, I recorded it with him in Callan Audio Studios. I'm a big fan. I'm releasing your secrets. Jeremiah is a big <laughs> fan of Ella Fitzgerald. Oh. And so we're there playing Ella Fitzgerald and some Felakuti and everything else. And I was like, I'm just going to sing this jazz standard. So we're goofing off in the studio when I recorded this track. Mm. This wasn't supposed to be on the EP. This was just me playing around. And then I recorded it and some people came by and heard the playback of the song. And they were like, mm. oh my God, mm. who is singing mm-hmm. type of situation. And Jeremiah was like, we need to make this an actual song. His brother, Sammy Gyang, who is a phenomenal producer, by mm-hmm, the way, he produces mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Ice Prince and whatnot. Yeah. So he played the piano piece on that song and it just came together beautifully. So that was really something, play, 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 play with Jeremiah Gyang. And I had a song and that went on the EP. Yeah, cool. All right, let's give people... A sound of what feeling good smells, oh, it smells like. <laughs> See, I'm so, I'm so stuck on because <laughs> smells good. Okay, let's give people a taste of what um because um feeling good um sounds like. Awesome. Sun in the sky Which is such a, I feel like you just, you really made that song your own and it is really, it's an amazing cover. 
And I'm not just saying that Thank because you're here, really. Because I said I've listened to every single cover and every artist makes, you know. I, I have you have you heard the one from Michael Bublé? Yes, yes, that I've heard so, the one about that. So I feel like I feel like his version, um, his version it needs to be in a Bond movie. It yes, has that you Bond just movie that vibe. Specific. I don't you know. Yeah. So he's publishing. Yeah. You know, he's publishing. People need to like get on that. Like he needs to like find a way to. <laughs> no, seriously, it's very Bondish. I love, I love his yeah, delivery. But yeah, yours yeah. is also awesome, um, awesome as well because it's just very. I feel like yours is very soulful and very emotional, and it, the way you deliver, it's 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 very fantastic. It's just fantastic. Now, thank you. We'll go to Nawadukia. Um, okay, actually, before before I go to Nawadukia, what's your take on artists doing covers of songs? Because people have different different um, different comments on whether you should do a cover of a song. So, what's your take on or that? Not. For live performances, um, my strong head initially was like, I'm not doing anybody's song. I'm only doing my song. My song is the one that you need to. Be. No, my darling. If you want to make money mm-hmm. with utilizing the gift that God has given you, you need to start by bringing people on with what it is that they're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Those songs are popular because people like them. A lot of people like them. A lot of people can recognize them. A lot of people can sing to them. So start off with that. Definitely perform your own material, but start off with that so you get your audience tied into you and then slowly take them on that journey to where you then bring them into your own style of music. So look for an artist that you respect or you really like. Make the performance of their track your own but then start people off with something that they can recognize because you are building a foundation and then you get them to your own music so i say cover music don't do exclusive covers unless you are a cover band Mm -hmm. um and that's all you guys do but if you're an artist trying to start out especially give other artists um uh, perform other artists tracks and music legally of course and then slowly bring people into your own particular brand and style of music okay uh, <laughs> now let's go to Nawadukia. um what was the inspiration behind that song so Nawadukia was it was written around like 2009 i think 2009 2010 that's when we we're having the drama that was happening in joss mm. and i guess that was the first time it got put into our collective conscious that collective yeah conscious that you know there's a divide in the religious line along religious lines in nigeria and i guess it was a rude awakening for me because i grew up in benin and literally my neighbor was a sele this person was old religion animism and oguan shango worship this other person was muslim we were catholics Mm. and all the kids and everybody got along together eat food everywhere you know like so it was very strange to then be an adult and see this thing happening where we are now fighting along religious lines when I grew up around people that are they are in an inter-religious marriage type of situation. So it was about being an Igbo wife. I just kind of took it back to the Briafra situation, imagining being an Igbo wife to a house man. Mm-hmm. And you guys... For whatever reason, the line's breaking up. I don't strong know bond, the connection. Even though you have different ethnicities and different um, religions... How about now? Um, yeah. How about okay, now? Yeah. Yes, better now. Yeah. So you're saying that you, you want it from the perspective of an Igbo wife okay. to a house husband, right? Yeah, to a house husband, exactly. So that's why I use the word Nawadukia because that's actually rubbish house. That's bad house. The actual way to say it would be Dukiane, which is my wealth. Mm. Oh. So I say Nawadukia to kind of sound like a woman that's learning another language that might not necessarily know how to properly put the words together. Mm. That's why I use Nawadukia. 
Okay, and I feel like that northern because that that was one of the songs that was on Bella Ninja, and I feel yeah. like um that northern vibe and the northern sound just comes out so effortlessly. So let's yeah. let people get a um a sound of what Nawadukiya sounds like. That's just a, a brief um, sn- sn- uh, snippet of what um, Nawadukia sounds like. You mm. have lyrics in Nawadukia such as Tell me all your secrets, all your misgivings, this world is a mystery, this life is a journey, I've been blessed to know you, no worries my darling, we'll stand strong till the end. Yes. That's really, yeah. That's And how long did it take you to write the song? It came in like a 10-minute situation. It was literally the entire song. At the time, too, I had taken um, Lali, what was that? Lali 1100, which is basically whenever they have a foreign language class at my university. Mm-hmm. And the foreign language was Hausa. Oh. We had a Hausa um, Fulbright Scholar come to the college to teach Hausa, for, Hausa 1 and Hausa 2. And that's how I picked up the Hausa that I used to write the song. Oh, Where did you go for college? University of Memphis. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And then where did you get your MBA? University of Memphis. Memphis as well. Okay. So you're yeah. really, you're a Memphis guard to the, to the, to the core. Go Tigers! Um, go Tigers! <laughs> go Tigers, really. Okay. <laughs> um, so you speak Hausa, you speak Japanese. Mm-hmm. And what else was it that one you said? German? German and French. <laughs> my sister. So Hausa, okay. my Hausa is horrible. Horrible. But it comes across, but- it comes across, um, because there's certain parts that you can hear the Hausa um, mm-hmm. language and it just I think you did a good job for me someone, someone like me who doesn't speak Thank Hausa <laughs> um, <laughs> so you. okay cool now um, you apparently you were also supposed to put a mixtape called Slack of Slack of the Say yes what happened to that that actually came out and it's still out there it's on my band camp so if you go oh, amahaonline.bandcamp.com I have to put it out I'll All send right, that so link to band, you as yeah, well. bandcamp.com so. So amahaonline.bandcamp.com. Okay. And you'll see Slack of the Say. And Slack of the Say. Because it's not, is it on, is it on Amaha, is it on your Amaha website? 
Yes, it should. Well, it should be on the Amaha website. If it's not, I'll put it on there. Yeah, because I didn't. I've, I've seriously, I've spent a lot of time on your website. So I, I, yeah, I have. I didn't oh, see it, yeah. thank um, you. I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and make sure that it's on there. I'll do yeah. it prontissimo after we finish this call. Yes, yes. Now, your most recent single is called Space Cowboy. Yes. So can you talk about? Can you talk about Space Cowboy? So Space Cowboy is about a. Um... <sighs> see now, everybody that's hearing this. Now think I'm just dating all these rubbish guys. I promise it's not like that. But <laughs> sure, <laughs> if that's what you say to comfort yourself, <laughs> go ahead. But you know, <laughs> but you know, there was this guy and he was um, a Yoruba demon. So ah, yeah, it was he, he personified it. I mean, like just <laughs> no. I don't understand why he had to take it that far because Yoruba people are so nice. He just decided he was going to personify this stereotype. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he was one of those, and um, and he inspired that particular song. But the funny thing is, everybody hears the song and they're like, "Oh, I wish I were your space cowboy." I'm like, "No, you don't. You don't want to be space cowboy. I hate that morasoka." So, <laughs> so Chloe, you're not. You are no longer friends. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> Not even in the vicinity of friendship. Um, but yeah, so that was who kind of inspired that particular one. But then I also had some snippets that I borrowed from other people's um, crappy relationships mm-hmm. and infused in the song as well. So it's okay. not just about my crappy relationship. I decided it's a free-for-all market and I will include other people's crappy relationships. you being so kind. Kind to the earth. <laughs> just kind. The, I, I do this. For the gram, oh, I you do know, world. You know. Yeah, like it's <laughs> personal. Like you that. know. you um tap into the ex- publishing aspect so up until like i told you this was not necessarily something that i took seriously as a professional yeah. until more recently part of mm-hmm. me going back and taking those classes with berkeley and everything is because i realized i knew jack squat about the music business as a mm-hmm. so 2015 was learning on a formal scale what it actually mm-hmm. entails 2016 has been uh, 2000, late 2015, 2016 was getting my stagecraft up, and then 2016 was joining ASCAP. So only recently mm-hmm. I even knew about making sure I was part of a PRO or a nice. rights organization mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some of that nature. So as we move into 2017, publishing yeah. and making sure that you're getting more yeah. money yeah. options for your music, that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to be doing because now I'm trying to transition yeah. to making it full time. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty dope. Um, what was your experience like? Because um, I know we ju- you just touched on that briefly. What was your experience like at the Berkeley School of Music? So I took Berkeley online, um, okay. and it was through a a consortium. I think you would call it called. Uh, Coursera.org. Coursera, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's awesome because it can give you like these short classes that you can take. You um, expend about 12 hours per week. Mm-hmm. Focus on getting something that you actually want to use that you can use for your business. So mm-hmm. for me, it was getting a capstone, get, doing everything all the way to a capstone for music through Berkeley and just getting a real good basic introduction to the music business. So yeah. I, it was pretty phenomenal. You can go back and watch the videos. I still have access to all that learning. Mm-hmm. So I like mm-hmm. the fact that I can always go back whenever I'm mm-hmm. forgetting something or missing something and relearn that information. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on the song formula process nowadays whereby songs are strategically crafted to make them more memorable? You know, because the comment is that we live in a short attention span culture. Um, and you demand short attention span songs. Mm. Um, so what, what's, what, what's your take on that? I am on the fence on that one. While I understand the fact that at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, as artists, we are making a product. Mm-hmm. It is a business. Um, so I understand that word, but your product reaches the masses and you're targeting them in a way that you would place any other kind of product. But at the same time, you don't want to lose the soul because at the end of the day, even though we are marketing a product, that product has power. Mm-hmm. That product has not only physical power, meaning that people can be stopped dead in their tracks and listen to a track or they can hear something and it will take them back to a memory and relive something. It also has spiritual power. Depending on the kind of music you feed yourself, you can be a happier person or you can be a sadder person or you can be angry all the time. It has power over your emotions and your spirit. So I'm on the fence. I think every musician, if they want to do justice to this and make sure that they utilize the gift that God has given them, um, they need to learn the business aspects of it. But at the same time, not, they need to learn that while they are learning the business thing, it's a gift from God. It's not theirs. So they need to give due process and respect to the Most High for giving them that gift. And that means they can't make it completely monetized or completely fake or completely product. They have to remember that there's a physical aspect to making music. Okay, um, because you know we hear about the fact that you have to have a hook in the intro and yes. a hook in the pre in, in the pre yes. in the pre verse. You yes. have to have a you know so all these different. But at the same time, I guess the alternative comment is: what about people who would say, "But I want to make money, Amaha." So if I want to go down your route of saying I want to ensure that my music is giving life and giving soul and inspiring people, I'm not going to because music like that doesn't really sell as much as mm-hmm. music that is, mm-hmm. you know. Even if it's not talking about ass or whatever, music that's just like, you know, happy-go-lucky, what what, what, what would you say to that? It depends on you. Because honestly, I feel like there's space for any of us to fill the sky. I make food music. I make music that I I refer to it as food music because you sit down. It's soulful, sumptuous Afropop jazz because you sit down and you digest the music that I make. I want to be able to make money from that. That doesn't necessarily mean that I might have a fan base of a Rihanna who is just making music that is memorable, but nobody's really tied to, nobody's really engaged to, nobody's really married to. Mm-hmm. So there's space for any one of us to shine and there's space for any one of us to make money. You just target and make your music using the business side to the people that want what it is that you're bringing to the table. If you are selling microwave popcorn music, target it for microwave popcorn people. <laughs> 
if you are selling sit down mom see wash her hands to make the pandadian music then sell it to the people that want to sit down and digest and drink a glass of wine as they are hearing this something powerful. Mm-hmm. So you okay. target your audience based totally. on what you make. Cool. Okay. Good. 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 Good point. Um, do you think that um, pop music sound pop music nowadays? You, you, do you think, do you think that they sound all they all sound the same? Honestly, I'm beginning to hear a lot of um, duplication in pop music. And if you think about it, you understand why. Even in Nigerian Afrobeats, you are beginning to hear duplication. Mm. Because most people want to make money. We are not as bad as the American scene. No offense to America, but everything is beginning to sound the same. You know, we are not as bad as that because we still have a variety of cultures and we still want to sound original in Nigeria. But at the same time, People want to make money. It is seen now as a viable profession. Before people got into it, so a lot more people stayed in the music because they loved what they were doing. Fame was a byproduct of it. Now people are like, I want the fame and I want the recognition and everything else. But honestly, if this wasn't making me money, I could be doing something else entirely. I'm just about the money and the cash. And if you look at their music, that's what it talks about usually. Ask yeah. sex, money. Nothing, nothing powerful, nothing memorable. The, I guess, alternative comment to your comment is the fact that maybe the reason why it sounds the same is because you have the same songwriters and producers who are working on most of the top hit songs that we have nowadays. So there's going to be some overlap in what you know one producer does for whoever it is to another to another singer songwriter. You know, absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Oh, you, did you have anything else to add to that? I, I, thought, I, thought, I think I thought, that yeah. also falls into it because if you are trying to make money from it, obviously you are looking for the people that will give you the social um, accrual or the social um, uh, uh, platform to stand on. Because if you say, hey, I made a track by Timbaland or hey, I have a track that was done by David Guetta, people are more likely to listen to you and say, oh, who is this person mm-hmm. that David Guetta or whomever wanted to work with? Versus if you say, I have a track that was made by... Bob John Studios over in Arkansas. Who? Mm-hmm. But you know, it's dope, that, but see, if it's dope, and you know, I feel like regardless, even if it's made by, <laughs> let me use myself, Shariano's here. <laughs> 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 if it's dope, I feel like timeless music, good music will always sell. That's the thing. I mean, for the most part, like, promotion is important as well, but you know, I feel like good yeah. music is always going to. to good sell. music is like, like, it's like Gary or like Salt. It mm-hmm. always, always come through. Um, Speaking of Timberland, did you said you, you said you I my, in my introduction talked about Timberland saying that your sound was very um very unique has a mm-hmm. way of transfixing you. you you got to meet him right I didn't get to meet him live and direct so here's mm-hmm. how it happened okay um can I take a few minutes to talk about that whole yes, situation yes okay so um basically I was at ASCAP like I told you I was trying to get the more music side of things mm-hmm. and understand since I joined this PRO so I went for their expo and. I really was not going there to do anything but get my team or find my team mm-hmm. that would help me to make take the music to the next level. So I got to ask him a question. Um, I got in the line, went in to ask him a question. And I started talking and he's like, ah, I love the way you speak. Time of situation was the very first thing that he said. And I was like, if you like the way I speak, you should hear me sing. Mm. Nigeria, now we are quick on our feet. Very so like, <laughs> If you like the way I speak, you should hear me sing. And everybody was like, sing, sing, sing. All the audience was like, sing, sing, sing. And he's like, you sing? I'm like, yes. It's like, okay, sing something. And I just started with, should I sing it? Mm-hmm. Atobajaye. 
So that's what I sang real quick. That Ori- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that Look at you. Ricky. Real quick. <laughs> what I sang. <laughs> she said real what quick. Did you say? <laughs> that's what I, that Yoruba Ricky is what I sang. And the funny thing is that I sang, sang that twice earlier that day when I met a girl from Joss and when I met a girl from South Africa. Because honestly, I was looking for the Africans at this ASCAP so that we can all link together and understand the music thing. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you want people that understand what it is that you're doing from mm-hmm. your side of the continent mm-hmm. type of situation. So I sang it twice earlier that day. And then since I, that was the song that was in my head, so I just went ahead and sang that song. And he's like, you are going to be on my next album. Make sure the my producers in the Gets, back yeah, get you. Yeah. So, because he was working on, um, what's the show with Cookie? Empire. Yeah. He was working on Empire, so he couldn't come physically there. So he told his producers to get me to the back, and then they got my contact information and all that good stuff. So that's how that happened. So are we going to hopefully hear you on a Timbaland track? The man is a busy man, but you know, nice Nigerians people, we are hustlers. Yeah, uh, my sister, we have to... We have One to hustle that, that hustle. That thing that you said, you must do it. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. amen. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Dude, like, even just your... Del- I, you said that you had to do it real quick, like, really. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do that? That's a fun humility. That is so nice, yo. I'm harassed. Wow. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> no, that's really... Wow. Well, you know, I please pursue that. Um, it'll be it'll be lovely to hear your hear you know hear a song produced, but it's especially because of how, I guess Timbaland is such an awesome producer, and I feel like yes. he's able to adapt yes. to different sounds. Yes, so that's so... why I've always wanted to work with him. He's mm-hmm. awesome to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Please follow up, my sister. Please follow up, and then you can come and premiere your song on my show. You know my podcast. I got you. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I but I, I, by God's grace, I'll work out for you this 2017. I'm definitely. Amen. Amen. Now, Amen. um, a couple, couple of questions from the business and legal perspective. Is it true to you that the type of chord progressions that is used in crafting a song should be particular to the country in question? Hmm. Not necessarily. I read that somewhere that in certain, I, I read that somewhere in, in a couple of books that I'm, I've, I've been reading that mm-hmm. in certain countries, certain chord progressions may not work well. And if you're trying to mm-hmm. sell a song or trying to, sound an, mm-hmm. trying to sell an album, you mm-hmm. using a chord progression that is maybe particular to the to the U.S. and you're trying to sell in America mm-hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily sell. Um, but you're saying that to you, that's not necessarily the case. That's not necessarily true. Here's why I say that. Um, we wouldn't have crossover artists if you were using chord progressions that were only unique to the particular country. Mm-hmm. Shakira would not be as big as she is in the United States. That woman sounds straight up like the Lebanese culture that she descends from, with the Spanish influence from being a Colombian Lebanese person. So you can already hear the... That's not, that's not an American way of singing mm-hmm. or vocalizing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, Timbaland himself is another person that does that. He uses a lot of um, Indian uh, influence yeah, in his music. Yeah. 
and court pro uh, progressions. There are lots of other people that have crossed over into the United States that are coming with Latin or foreign styles of presenting music that make a, um, a make a big splash. Akon has done the Indian thing um, before too in his music and has also had, he also sings with a, a Senegalese tint to the way he sings since he's obviously of Senegalese descent. So it doesn't necessarily fit it unless this, the country in question has a very strict way of um, the, the, the chord progression to the way they speak. India has very linked chord progressions with the way they also speak their language, especially in Hindi. There's already a very defined culture around the scales of their music as well as around the language itself and how they follow those skills. Like, or when they start doing that, that is all their chord progressions and scales that they're playing around with. Same thing with Arabic countries. And um, uh, I don't know, somebody that comes to my mind is, a, 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 what's this woman's name? Maluma would be another person that kind of sings from Mauritania that has a particular way that their language fits with the way they sing. So, that like melismatic way of singing does not necessarily work in an American setting. But if you know how to market it, or if you bring in um, certain Western elements as well, it will work. Mm. Okay. Um, interesting take. Now, sorry, I think your answer was just very interesting in comparison to what I've read. Also, which is, you know, I, I, everyone has different perspectives, but that's that's a, yeah. that's a, that's yeah. that's a, that's, a, that's a very interesting way of looking at it from your perspective, and I appreciate that. Now, do you think, as, a, as a songwriter and as a singer, mm -hmm. but let me just focus on you as a songwriter. Do you think that an artist should be able to write his or her own songs, or at least contribute to the writing process? Absolutely. In a true artist, if you go around calling yourself an artist, you should be able to contribute to the writing of your own song or at least put together the melody. Why do you say so? Whether you're, um, because it is an art form. If you do not know at least some elements of the art form, then you are not an artist. You are just marketing a product at that point is the way I look at it. You is there, might is there be able wrong to, with that? Something, there's nothing wrong with that. But like I said, people have microwave popcorn music and people have sit down wash your hand and cook the food music so if you are doing microwave music that's for you that works fine you are not necessarily in it to be a an artist you are in it to make music there's a difference between i just make music versus i am an artist if you are calling yourself having the onus and the chuspa and the cajones to call yourself an cajones. artist okay you better be involved in the writing of the music or whether it's in the melody that you're putting together, whether it's in the instrumentation that you're putting together, whether it's in the actual lyrics that you're putting together. Some piece of the writing needs to be um, uh, uh, ascertainable that you are involved in. Mm, okay. Yeah, there are lots of schools of thought about that. There are schools of thought that echo what you're saying and there are schools mm -hmm. of thought that say that an artist does not need to write their own song you just singing a song already makes you an artist and the artists that go on tour and they may not have time to be involved in the writing in the writing process so how yes. does that make them less of um make them less of an artist just because they don't write their songs like you have people like Whitney Houston you have people like um all these awesome singers that 
people would be surprised to know that some of them don't write their don't write their own music don't write or didn't write their own songs and Mm -hmm. i don't and then people say that that doesn't make them less of an artist so you know i think like you know i think with the singer songwriter camps you people are very you must write your song (laughs) you must be able to write you are whack (laughs) (laughs) no i don't Um, necessarily think that they're whack like i said there's space for everybody to bring mm -hmm. their style to them because there are some people that's like you rightly said with Newsom can vocalize the heck out of his song. Mm-hmm. Till today, everybody, even the, all of us that are singer songwriters, talking about you must write something inside your song. We are still there and I, I <laughs> trying to sing that high note. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So write, but vocalize it in a way that if nobody told you that she was not involved in the writing process, you don't you bloody care. Exactly. She has such power in her voice. And in the way she sings something. So you must bring something to the process the table, because yeah. the vocalization and way of singing is part also of part of the process. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know? But if you are just there parroting, no offense, Britney Spears, but Britney Spears is like. I am a perfect. huge Britney fan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I've been hey. a Britney fan since I was in like in secondary uh, school. Just so. love her because you just like her. That's the only excuse I Sorry? can give you because I so say you just love her because you just like her as a person. That's the only thing I, I can. Give. I love Britney songs. Like please, Are you please. Serious? Yeah. Oh, that is the best. <laughs> what? That song is one of my favorites. What? Amaha, please. Let's not fight. Let us not fight. Okay, like, let's, let's leave. Oh, my. Let's Hit me, baby, one more time. We'll Hit me, baby, one more time is the jam, my sister. Produced by Max Martin. My sister, no. It really, though, I mean, like, okay, okay. People, people keep saying she can't sing or whatever, whatever. Have you heard every time? Which one is every, every time? Every time I try to fly, I fall without my wings. I feel so. Check that song out. She's okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, seriously, check it out. It's a. I'll great give song. Britney Spears a chance just because of you. <laughs> I will try and listen again. No, my sister, Britney. Britney is dope. Check out every time. Every, every time is an amazing song. It's, it's an amazing song. Now, final question on business and legal question. Let me just move on for you. Come on, kill my love for. <laughs> kill my love for Britney. Is that? What is your take on? artists who are not songwriters taking a piece of the writing credit whereby they say if someone like Amaha writes me a song just because I want mm-hmm. to get a part of um, the royalties and be seen mm-hmm. as a credible artist they take a piece of the writing credit even though they had nothing to do with it what, what is your take on that? If they are the ones that are vocalizing it they are also involved in the writing process like i said it's all part and parcel of bringing the final song to play mm-hmm. if you as a songwriter more often than not you're marketing it to an artist because you might not necessarily be the one that wants to be out there as a performer as a mm-hmm. musician mm-hmm. otherwise you would sing it yourself and not have somebody else do it yeah you see what i'm saying so especially because there are less and less avenues for artists to generate income in music. Mm-hmm. I see no reason why they can't have, even if it's not that large of a percentage. Now, if they are there saying, I must collect 50% when you didn't write the song, different story. But if, an, if a musician or an artist or performer says, um, let me at least get 10% of these royalties that are going to be back paid off of this song, that's part of the cost. Their face and their voice and their vocalization and their person is the one that is presenting the song that you wrote so they have a say in whatever it is that is coming off of or in whatever royalties are generating off i do not think that's a bad thing at all i think it's just good business and i think if they are going to be the face of your song they should be getting some kind of that back for mm-hmm. the for, for their work on it but you have an issue when it comes to 50 c- comparison to 10 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. It depends on the percentage that they are taking. They can't obviously claim a larger portion of the, the, the song, even if they are the ones that they have their face out there. So let's say you're right. You eventually join Sony as uh, you get a publishing deal with Sony and you write okay. this awesome song and no name. I mean, some, so I'm not, I'm not going to mention any names, but some successful artist says, mm-hmm. I want your song and I'm willing to sing it, but I'm going to get 50%. You would not allow that to happen. Is that what you're saying? Yes. You, we will have to have a negotiating type of situation. 50 or nothing. That's, 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 that's the offer. Sorry, madam. You're not getting the song. And again, it's a huge artist. Like someone like, let's just say Adele. Nope. <laughs> you are still clutchy. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't the whole point of so, getting your, it, song, your, your song out there? Out because there. regardless, yeah, you're going to make money. And you're going yeah, to so, get the... Okay, go ahead. So I guess for me, I guess I'm responding nope in the fact that I'm thinking to myself, if, if it's dope enough to attract Adele's eye, it should be dope enough to attract somebody else's eye. Mm-hmm. However, sometimes you have to let some stuff go. Exactly. So starting out, mm-hmm. Sia is one of those who that does this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. She will let Rihanna get percentages on the song. She will let all these other ladies get percentages of the song. But she makes sure that the ones that she knows, because sometimes when you write a song, you're like, if this thing is marketed well, I know this thing will blow. This song has the power to make a big splash. So she keeps those types of songs for herself. So if I'm putting it out there and an Adele likes the song, more than likely, if I'm a good businesswoman, I'm putting out the songs that are not necessarily, or I have the ones that I know for my own self, especially if I'm a singer-songwriter, meaning I also perform, I'm going to keep those things for myself. Mm -hmm. And then the other stuff, okay, Adele can have this 50%. I know that Adele is going to bring me fame and I know that because people now see Adele singing this song and she's winning awards of that song, I'm going to get other potential clients. So it's a matter of looking at it on the business side once again and saying, does this add to my longevity in generating other artists that want to come and work with me? Hmm. And in that, maybe that one song or those two songs can go and she can get 50% on them. But then every other song after that, now that you've increased your name and your status, you negotiate from a higher vantage point. Yeah, I I, I, I see that perspective. But then there's the, there's the there's the alternative perspective that even if you keep said songs for yourself, if mm-hmm. you are not quote unquote marketable as an artist, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if you're a singer songwriter, because there are singer songwriters, singer songwriters that are not really doing that well. Um, mm-hmm. Why would you want to? keep the song for yourself when you can you know again i I get what you're saying i'm just saying i'm trying, i mean mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like that debate is always going to be there so you know not to belabor Absolutely. the point i i i do get what you're saying now okay now back to the creative process before i wrap it up with you is what has been the greatest influence on your creativity mm. greatest influence on my creativity has been god because i like i said earlier i don't think this talent is necessarily mine. I think it's a talent that I was giving. And the reason why I want to make sure that it goes out there and it makes a splash and it has power out there is because one of the things that made me really start saying, okay, we need to treat this with the respect and go get training and learn all the stuff I don't know, is that I'm like, okay, I, had a, I heard a sermon at the time about the parable of the talents. You know the parable of mm-hmm. the five, ten, mm-hmm. three. 
type of situation. And I hadn't heard it as it was put forth that particular day where it's like, okay, if you have a talent, you need to be utilizing it. And I felt like this was my biggest talent. I have other talents, but this was my biggest one. And I was like, okay, I am not putting in the work and the effort that this requires. So I need to make sure if I'm going to do the work, I need to do the work and hope that he opens the doors because at the end of the day, it's his talent. So my job right now is to be a creative stenographer, document all the stuff that my musical angel gives me at 2 a.m. in the morning, Mm -hmm. take it and make fantastic music in the studio, put in the work, do all the hustle. Hopefully it translates into a full-time gig that pays me well enough to be able to have a good standard of living. But all the door opening, all the opportunity getting, like being in front of Timbaland and having that opportunity, that's God, that's not me. So he will open the doors to make sure that the talent goes from one to two. Okay. Cool. Now, before I move on quickly, you talked about being a producer. You produce your own Mm -hmm. songs. What software do you use? So, oddly enough, I am not your producer in the quintessential. She makes entire beats by mm-hmm. herself. Normally, mm-hmm. that was something strange that happened. But I am learning how to use a DAW. That's part of why I took the Berkeley oh, classes. Yeah. So, I have a DAW that I'm beginning to use and put together my own music. So, I'm getting stronger in the strength as a producer. So, I use, um, uh, when I first started, obviously, Fruity Loops was the gateway one. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm using Acoustica Mixcraft. Okay. And then I have other DAWs I'm getting to look into, one of which is going to be um, Ableton Live. I want to kind of look into using that as well. Okay. So it's more than likely going to be Acoustica Mixcraft and Ableton Live. That'll, that'll be my two major DAWs. Okay. And why did you, what made you make that, what, what made you say you wanted to add being a producer to um, part of your repertoire? As an artist, usually you're going into the studio and you are um, relying on a producer to come up or to put together your track. Because I get the songs completely and I have a very distinct, especially living in the United States, sometimes it's harder to explain the Nigerian side of things that you're wanting to appear on your music because they are not as familiar with, they don't have that lexicon. This one keeps breaking Nigerian lexicon. Continue. Mm-hmm. You do that better if you have, can you hear me better now? I can hear you now, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, so you do that better as an artist if you are able to speak in the language and in the terms that a producer understands. And I think I can only do that if I at least have some producer cred. I might not become the next Timberland, (laughs) but I will be able to at least say, I want this, 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 and this, and I hear it here, and this is where I want dynamism, and this is how I want the track to flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I yes. feel like it, I feel like it's, it's for an art, as an artist or whether a singer, songwriter, just an artist in general, it's always good if you're well-rounded. If you can, exactly. ma- if you can master your, if you can even master your own song, if you mix your own song, if you, you know, so there's nothing wrong. Exactly. It just makes it that much more amazing. Obviously, at the same time, you want to give it to the professionals, but if you can, mm-hmm. if you can for the for the demo, make your own thing sound as good as possible before you, exactly. you know, give it. To the, you know, it's always a good thing. Um, it's powerful and plus you also get more money that way because you exactly. can now also play producer credit exactly exactly so you're trying to get all the royalties from every 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 possible Hell angle great. do you realize <laughs> that i'm half Igbo? excuse you <laughs> that Igbo side they come out every time excuse um, you please <laughs> i'm not here to be broke seriously um now, which musicians <laughs> and songwriters have been your greatest influence i know i know you talked about god but do you know mm-hmm. what other musicians and songwriters have been in terms of someone that just totally, two women that totally, actually three, that totally blew my mind in terms of their vocalization, Miriam Makeba, 
Mm. Bjork, Angelique Kidjo. And what was it about them? You said that vocalizations. Can you talk about? Can you talk yeah, about vocalizations? Oh. The way they sang songs. Mm-hmm. Bjork is very experimental. Bjork is someone that just seems to go into the studio and just plays around with her random weird accent and does whatever the heck she wants. Angelique Kijo has a very powerful voice, and she knows how to control that power on that voice. She knows when to release it. She knows when to hold it in. While Miriam Makeba has this voice that stops you, like it just it's, it's like somebody giving you fresh whiskey whenever you hear Miriam Makeba's voice. She has this very silky, beautiful voice that is just timeless. So I like those three women because of the way that they vocalize their music. Um, in terms of artists that have always kind of reminded me that the profession was the idea that I, I could still do this as a profession, two people influenced me. Asha, when she came out in 2008, because at that point I was ready to give up. Mm. Um, I literally was like, screw this music stuff. We are just going to be an engineer and mm-hmm. software and just know that that's yeah. life. Yeah, let's just stick to that. So she and um, in 2010, when I was ready to give up again, Miyavi Ishihara, who is a Japanese uh, rock singer, visual mm-hmm. case singer. Mm-hmm. So those two were the ones that influenced me in that way. Cool. Okay. I love that your influences are very um, varied. They're not one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Now, mm. currently, who are your favorite current? Who are your favorite songwriters or musicians? Can you name four? Mm-hmm. Four. Yeah. Oh, that's a hard one. So, probably because I know him as a person, <laughs> Jeremiah Yang. Okay, and why I think he's bloody awesome. Mm-hmm. I think he's very good at what he does, and I think that he sticks to who who he is whenever he sings music. You don't hear what whatever he's singing and not recognize that this is a man from the middle belt side of the country. He's very proud of his culture. It's his presence in his music, but at the same time, he gives God the glory whenever he writes a song, and then he has a very distinct sensibility about what he writes. So he is uniquely him when he puts together music. So I like Jeremiah um, as a musician and I think he's stupidly talented and underrated. Um, Another person that I like, I've been listening to a lot of Fela Kuti music lately and growing up it's like, hey, daddy is playing Fela again. Let us hear words. (laughs) I think it's every child. You know, it's like, ah, ah, this man's song, 25 minutes, we are still, hey. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That is not the introduction. (laughs) Exactly. But there are ten minutes have passed introduction. You have not sang one word. What is this? But now as an older person mm. and I hear the way he puts together, he's basically crafting a song and it just blows my mind at how talented this man was mm-hmm. and how we took him completely for granted the entire time that he was alive. Like cried the whole himself. You know? So Philakuti is another person that I really respect. Another person, oof, you have chance. I thought Miriam was exceptionally phenomenal. Um, Leaving her homeland, being ejected from there, not being able to come in, yet still campaigning for the rights of uh, black South Africans and everything else. I think she was a powerful, powerful musician, standing for what she believed in, and um, not only doing that, but singing just uh, um, South African music and making it bringing it to a completely new audience. I think she was a powerful musician. And then lastly, I actually like, oof, I'm trying to think who I would say just blows my mind every time I hear something by them. Those 
honestly are my top three. Miyavi, oddly enough, is one of those people that I just like watching his growth because mm-hmm. he he was one of the new school type people where they build their entire fan base off of social media type stuff. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was like MySpace and Facebook. Like he really and he really used those platforms very well mm-hmm. for a Japanese singer that is singing completely in Japanese to come over to the United States and have that volume of people mm-hmm. at his shows. Mm-hmm. I thought he really inspired me in terms of the more using social media to craft your fan base side of things. Okay. And of course, I also kind of like his music. That's cool. Cool. Now, uh, wrapping it up with the fun random questions. What is the most trouble that you have gotten into? Ha. Why are you bringing out my leg like this in (laughs) public? Okay. So I'm trying to think of not cost me a social fallout but mm-hmm. there was this one time i was in gss2 i think it was gss1 or GS, gss2 sorry before you go on where did you go for uh, secondary school i actually had three different schools i went to i went to um uh university demonstration secondary school udss which is basically Unibens secondary school okay university of Benin secondary school um i went to word of faith which was bishop benson Idaosas university and then i went to army day Okay. For my final SS2, SS3. Okay. okay. So, UDSS was the first one, and I was the smallest kid because I was two years younger than everybody. I got double promoted, hmm. and I started KG1. <laughs> KG1 at two and a half rather than three. Wow. <laughs> so, I was tiny, I was tiny and always the youngest everywhere. So, yeah. Uh, Somebody, they were bullying me the entire time GSS1, it was GSS1, they were bullying me the entire time, even GSS2, they also bullied me but one day I lost all chill, I became chill deficient and I carried one dude, she decided this small rat that everybody in the everybody else in the class had made fun of me and everything else and I just took it right, oh yeah the weird kids they made fun of you, that's fine, even the teacher would be laughing at the bullying and everything else, she thought it was funny our, our homeroom teacher, but um, there was this small rat that decided he was going to tell me to shut up. Everybody had said a lot more hurtful things to me, but then he decided to say it. So I was like, okay, you can't talk to me like that. I can take it from anybody else. You two, you are tiny like me. So I carried him and I flung him on the table mm-hmm. and was fighting this dude. My dad had to come in. I left marks all over his face. I literally gave him like Yoruba tribal marks on the side of his face. So my dad had to come to the school and I had to explain myself to my father in the principal's office. That was a bad one. Obviously, dad, when you got home, did they, did they bulala your... <laughs> legendary beating. The beating. Beating of life. Beating of life. That one, and then um, just before taking my common entrance examination, which you used to get, get into secondary school, mm-hmm. There was a Latin super opera. I don't know if you remember no one but you. Yeah, that's super opera. I've been looking for that. I've been looking for that super opera on YouTube. I cannot find it. <laughs> Rich also cries. Secrets of the sand. Eh? Continue. Ah, secrets of the sand and Rich also cries. See, we are we are kindred. We are kindred. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So like, uh, no one but you was my jam at that point. So my parents were like, have you studied for your common entrance? Amelia is in front of no one but you, looking at uh, 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 Raquel and Maximilian. <laughs> So my father said, eh, you will not. My mother had told me once, told me twice. My, my mom's younger sister came and said, Amelia, go and read, go and read. I didn't. 
my mother said, okay, I will wait for your father to come back. It would be better if your mother, if our mother beat us than for daddy to beat you. Mm. So my silly behind still snuck back out to go and watch no one, no but, one you. but you. My dad came back. See flogging, legendary piece. So my dad finished my behind. I was literally jumping chairs. You know that beating where you're like flying over, <laughs> doing parkour in the living room, <laughs> jumping over stuff. <laughs> That was the beat down. But the funny thing is, I became number two in the state. I was behind the number one person on the common entrance in the state by just three points. Wow. I never forgot that. As Nigerians, Nigerians, we try and rationalize. Maybe it worked. It worked (laughs) because I still remember how to to solve the uh, 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 circumference and the area of a circle and all that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, I hated math when I was younger. But, <laughs> I mean, I liked it. I had, I had a good teacher, Mr. Muda Shiru, you know, and he was such an awesome. I, 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 I that's 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 one of my my, my, my favorite teachers in secondary school, Mr. Muda Shiru. Um, but thank you for that story. Um, two more fun random questions. What motto or mantra do you live by? God first. Mm. That's it. That's it. If you put him first, a lot of stuff kind of falls into place. Mm-hmm. Not saying that I am, oh my God, she just carries Jesus, she's so holy. No, I have mm-hmm. <laughs> I have strayed so far. I don't even know why he keeps talking to me. I don't even know why we are still cool. But mm-hmm. um, God first, honestly. Okay. Everything else falls into place. Cool. Um, now, the last one is, what were your four favorite songs from Nigeria in 2016? Ooh. Bana by Techno. Yes, that's <laughs> going down. Bana by Techno. Um, mm, uh, what's his name? Oh, that's terrible. Rikasani. Okay. Gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, Rikasani, Gentleman. No Forget by Adekunle Gold featuring Simi. Okay. One more. Um, oh, one more song song that just got me it's not from 2016 i don't think okay yeah it's um rabba by uh dj shapsky oh, yeah, uh, what's song. his voice yeah. name yeah. I can't remember who it was. yeah oh. i really like that. okay i'm all game my rabbi is loaded oh <laughs> once that song starts off i am on the dance floor acting like i do not have home training, home training. like i love that <laughs> no home training cool i love cool, that cool all right, now we're going to wrap it up. Um, what are your plans and hopes for the future with regard to your music for 2017 and forward? Onward, rather. To make it a full-time gig that um, pays enough to have a good standard of living and to be able to pay all my bills and still have money left over to save. So to make music my full-time gig okay. is my goal for 2017 going into 2018. Right. And... Um, I'm not necessarily looking to become the next Rihanna, but I'm definitely looking to find the people that like what it is I do and are willing to invest in what it is I do for a long period of time. Okay, great. And get the publishing and record deal as well by God's grace, are you? For sure. Amen. Yes. Amen. As long as it's not a 360 deal. Sorry? Yeah, as long as it's a 360 deal. 360 deal, yeah. So you're, okay, you're averse to 360 deals. Absolutely. Mm, okay. 
All right. We get when you get to that road, let us know how it goes. <laughs> I will say more than that. Okay. Now, for people who want to keep up with you, because I, mean, I feel like I could, I could, I could, I could go on to that, but I don't want to make this podcast unnecessarily too long, because uh, it's it's really great talking to you, and there's so much that we can talk about. But you know, people, I could say we live in a short attention span society Fun, now, exactly. whereby like, people are like, yeah. Okay. Now, so for people who want to keep up with what you're doing, can you share with them your social media info and your website information? Absolutely. Everything about Amaha is going to be either www.amahamusic.com or Amaha Online. So all social media handles, Facebook, Amaha Music, SoundCloud, Amaha Online. Look for Amaha Online or Amaha Music. You will find me. Okay. And the website itself is www.amahamusic.com. Okay. So that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is all Amaha Online. Yeah. Amaha Music. Amaha Music. Um, yeah, Facebook Amaha Music, Instagram Amaha Music, Twitter Amaha, Amaha Online, okay. SoundCloud Amaha Online. Okay. Cool. All my social media handles are on the website www.amahamusic.com. Yeah, that's where you find it right there. Okay, great. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Amaha. Thank you for so, having me. You know, I'm glad that you you know you did this with me. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm really looking forward to if there's any way that <clears throat> see I'm coughing I'm really coughing <clears throat> if any way that when you're recording that your song with Timberland you can somehow bring me in as your lawyer <laughs> and I have to be in the studio <laughs> my sister <laughs> let's make that shit happen okay <laughs> I'm praying that that comes to fruition for you this year for sure by God's grace okay amen all right amen. well th- this was fabulous <laughs> we know we are going to be friends later after this part I've seen I've seen right no need to stop anymore no need to stock right <laughs> i mean like going on your web every time oh <laughs> you're like this girl is crazy <laughs> um but thank you amaha um this is the end of the show everyone amaha thank you thank you thank you i'm so grateful that you got to do this and next for the next episode which will be episode um i believe episode eight we'll have another either songwriter or producer on the show till then bye everyone The SNC podcast is produced by Shade Anousier and Tomiwa Fawumi. To ensure you don't miss subsequent episodes, you can follow the show on its various social media handles at the SNC podcast. So that's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And that name is universal across Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Facebook, iTunes, and Mixcloud. For those who'd like to get in touch with me by email, my email is shadeanosier at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can follow me on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers.